0: The Behavioral Corner is produced in cooperation with Retreat Behavioral Health, where healing happens. Hi and welcome. I'm Steve Martoreno, and this is The Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on The Corner, The Behavioral Corner. Please hang around a while. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Behavioral Corner. It's me again, Steve Martirano. You know, here I am hanging on the corner again, waiting for somebody really interesting and informative to come by. And darn if they don't always do that. At least we hope you find them interesting. We certainly hope so. Behavioral Corner, real briefly, I call it a podcast about everything because everything is what affects our behavioral health one way or another. And it couldn't be more appropriate to talk about uh, mental health, than uh, here in the beginning of uh, May, which has uh, traditionally been designated Mental Health Awareness Month, the entire month of May. We'll be focusing on all aspects of our mental health, uh, the disorders, how they're treated, uh, the whole uh, nine yards concerning mental health, big topic. Uh, in addition to which is a special carve-out in the first week of May, which we find ourselves in right now, and that is mental children's mental health awareness, a very important subtopic about mental health. And we're going to do that, as you can see, with a, a duo today uh, as our guests. Tanya Rule is a uh, contributor to the program in the past. She is a member of Retreat Behavioral Health, our underwriter partners. Uh, but she joins us as a civilian today, a civilian uh, mom and a uh, person diagnosed with the uh, bipolar 2 disorder. Her son, Dominic, he's the one with the cap on, joins us to discuss his struggles with a similar diagnosis and with an additional wrinkle that I think is exclusively uh, the, the domain of young people. Uh, that's an oppositional disorder. You remember it as kids that don't listen, I guess. I don't know. We'll find out about ODD as well, as we uh, take a look at uh, both children and generally mental health awareness month. Guys, thanks for joining us, Sonya. Thanks so much. We had some technical difficulties to begin this thing, but we got it straightened out. Thanks for your patience. Dominic, thank you. Tonya, we've talked about your struggles with uh, your successful struggles and your ups and downs with mood disorders. I don't know that we've talked specifically about bipolar. First of all, what's there's there, several levels there are two levels right bipolar one and bipolar two
1: yeah there are two main levels bipolar one and bipolar two yeah
0: yeah and the, the difference is one more severe than the other or how does it work
1: not necessarily more severe bipolar one um has more ups than downs so there can be a lot more transfer between the manic and the depressive episodes where when you're classified as bipolar 2, you usually have more depression episodes than Mm. manic episodes, but you have to have at least one manic episode in order to be diagnosed as bipolar 2.
0: Yeah. How long ago were you diagnosed as bipolar 2?
1: 2006 is when I was diagnosed.
0: And before that, you were being treated just strictly for depression, or was there something else going on?
1: No, I wasn't treated for anything. I didn't think there was anything wrong with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, I've heard that from so many people who wind up with a a diagnosis of either just depression or bipolar more more likely. And that is that, well, you know, except for those manic episodes, which often were thought of as, well, just, you know, you know, he's he's excitable or he's, you know, he's rambunctious or he's compulsive. Uh, Until they go, you know, there's something else going on here. There's this other thing going on. Was it a relief or was it frightening to find out that you had a mental disorder?
1: Um, A little of both. It was a relief because there was a reason why I was feeling the way I was feeling a little bit scary because I mean, even now there's still a lot of stigma with mental health disorders. Mm -hmm. And 2006, was worse than what it is now. So it's one of those things where, how is this going to affect my life? Do I sure. tell people? Do I not tell people? Like there's a lot of different caveats to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's amazing. As it, as uh, forward thinking uh, we've become on these issues, it still lingers. It's the stigma, the fear, and it all comes out of really not knowing a lot about what's going on. Just for, for uh, purposes of description, there are two essential positions you can be in as a, a person with bipolar disorder. One is a when you're when you're when it's in full bloom. You have these manic episodes, mm-hmm. often followed by depression. Well, we know what a depressive uh, episode is like, but talk a little bit about the manic episodes. How did they manifest themselves for you? What were those manic episodes like?
1: For me, I was very irresponsible. I would spend money even though I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh I wouldn't pay bills because I decided that something else seemed a lot better. And a lot of times it came down to I literally was broke. Mm-hmm. And I had to move around a lot because of that because I wasn't paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Um I would have irresponsible relationships. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things that yeah. I did before I was medicated.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, it, it is so remarkable uh, because I've spoken to many people who've been diagnosed with bipolar two disorder and their behavior uh, is very often uh, the same as you've described, particularly uh, with regard to impulsivity mm-hmm. and lack of control and um, recklessness.
1: Yeah, it's like an idea pops into your head and it's the greatest thing ever and you have to do it. You almost get like hyper fixated on it.
0: Yes, yes. And all during that manic period, ironically, you're feeling fine, right? You feel great.
1: Yeah, you have no sense of consequences at all.
0: Right. And when confronted by your behavior from others, what was your reaction to it?
1: Well, it would depend on like where I was in the cycle. Sometimes I would just blow it off and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then like if I was starting to go toward the depression cycle, I would be like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And like that would almost like flip things for me, which would then automatically Put me into the depression.
0: Depression, yeah. yeah. I've heard people describe like interventions or or family members or or employers going, "Why are you behaving like this?" And the bipolar uh, person would go, "Behaving like what? I feel great. I feel like right. Superman. What are you? Why don't harsh my mellow? I'm doing okay. Tell me about the transition in your bipolar disorder. Could you feel the the manic episode coming, or is it sort of? Gradually occur
1: for me, like even now, because I occasionally have breakthroughs, obviously. Mm -hmm. But like, I just remember feeling like really, really good or feeling really, really bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really ever remember the transition if there is one. Yeah, Yeah. it's really hard for me to explain.
0: (laughs) No, I I understand. I mean, and in managing this thing. My, in my experience talking to people, uh, if if there were a better understanding of those transitions or triggers, yeah, you, you know, you might be able to manage them better if you felt them coming on. But you say it didn't work like that for you. One day you were real up, and you don't know how that started, and then the next day you were deeply, almost dangerously depressed, right?
1: Yeah, there were times where I just wouldn't want to get out of bed. And I was a single mom and three kids.
0: They're during the depressive period? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What made you finally go and see somebody to, to find out what was going on?
1: Um, my mom actually had encouraged me to go.
0: Had anybody else in your family ever exhibited behavior like this as you were growing up?
1: My biological father. Mm-hmm. Now, he's never been diagnosed with bipolar. As far as I know, the only condition he was ever diagnosed with was depression.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's such a mysterious uh, and tragic condition. We don't know what causes it. As I understand, there is no cure, but we're going to talk to you a little bit about treatment ahead. And Dominic, I, s- I promise I'll get to you. Don't I'm not ignoring you, man. I see you. Uh, so you, you go to see a, a specialist. A doctor and they diagnose you was the diagnosis pretty quick did they pretty much go oh you're bipolar
1: well i had to fill out this like literally like a 20-page questionnaire Mm -hmm. and then after they reviewed that i believe it was the same day um they told me you have bipolar disorder
0: yeah and they can do that just it asks you a series of questions concerning your behavior yeah yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a pretty standard diagnosis. I mean, there there aren't many shades of bipolar too. People pretty much act the same way, right? Yeah. Bipolar, yeah.
1: Very similar.
0: Yeah. The symptoms are are uh almost exact across uh different people. So what did they do? How are they treating your, you've been now do you say 2006 was when you were diagnosed? Right. You've got a bunch of years uh, under your belt, and you're handling it, I hope. Uh, I know you are. How do you treat bipolar 2 disorder?
1: There are different medications that everybody can be on. I had a real struggle in the beginning with medication, not only medication compliance, but the medication itself. When I was first diagnosed, the medication I was on had me only awake for seven hours a day, and that wasn't all at the same time. And again, that was a what? huge concern for me because I was a single mom of three kids. You can't be awake. It was seven hours a day. It doesn't really work. I mm-hmm. mean, Dom was less than a year old at that point. So I was, I was able to find somebody to work with me on the medication aspect. And I've actually been on the same medication now for over 10 years, but finding that one can be extremely frustrating um discouraging yeah. and again it's it's medication compliance because when I was first diagnosed as soon as I would feel okay I'd stop taking it and that's because like especially for me growing up you stop taking a medication once you you feel better like you don't you're not always on it And again, because of that stigma, as soon as I felt like I was okay, like I was stable, I would stop taking it.
0: Sure, sure. And
1: then it's like, what happened all over again?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things about that that I want to explore with you. One is that, although we're talking about a mental health disorder, that behavior about stopping medication, we do that generally. And every doctor you ever go to, I don't care if he gives you something for a cold, or he'll say, finish the medication. The minute you feel good, don't stop. You got to take the medication. We all want to stop taking medicine. Nobody wants to take medicine. The application of medicine with bipolar, and correct me if you, or just disagree if you disagree, I think finding the right medication that would help a bipolar uh, disorder sufferer is equal parts science and art. In other words, you don't hit it the first time, right?
1: Right. You can sometimes. If
0: you get lucky, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they have to adjust your medication. And as you point out, during that period of time, can be very frustrated. Were there times when you just (laughs) said, this isn't going to work for me? This stuff's not going to work for me? Or I hate the way it makes me feel?
1: Definitely the first ones I was on were absolutely awful for me. Now, Mm -hmm. I know they work for a lot of other people, but for me, they don't.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, it's so important that people talk about this and can see you, you know, you don't look like you're having any problems. And I know you're like anybody else. Uh, You have good days and bad days. So um, finally for you, Tanya, let me ask you this. Uh, You're on the medication. You've been on the medication. You've uh, straightened out um, what you should take and when you should take it. Great job with great people, a family. You still have ups and downs, don't you? Are your ups yeah. and downs more your garden variety, or do you still view them as symptomatic of bipolar 2?
1: I would say they're still symptomatic, but not as extreme as if I was on medication.
0: Well, I get it. I mean, the idea is to manage this condition, not right. to conquer it, right? Right. Because we just don't have a way of it. So having set the stage for us, Tanya, and uh, uh, been very candid about how difficult this is it would be difficult for anyone, but for a uh, person trying to raise a stay in, a, stay in gainful employment, get their finances under control and raise their kids. The last thing you need, all right, Dominic, sit up straight. Is a kid that just doesn't seem to want to do what you tell them to do. Is that the situation you confronted with Dominic? And when did it start?
1: Well, actually, both my sons have a bipolar diagnosis, but Dom's here with me today. You know, it started when he was younger. He was, when he was in elementary school, he was diagnosed with uh, ADHD. Right. So we were trying to treat that all these years. And about a year ago, we were like there's no way that this is the only thing that's going on. So we talked to his counselor and his counselor recommended a place that does really intensive testing. Um, And he went like every week for four weeks. And then we had to wait six weeks for the results because that's how crazy this testing is. Mm -hmm. And he actually wasn't diagnosed with ADHD at all. He was diagnosed with, Oppositional Defiance Disorder, and Bipolar too.
0: Talk about good news, bad news. Uh, Bad news is obvious. The good news is, oh, my God, they finally know what they're talking about. Let's see if this works. Uh, Dom, how did you, you know, everybody knows about the terrible twos. You probably don't remember being two years old, but anybody who's been around a two-year-old, even when they flip out, uh, generally speaking, most of the adults in the room will go, oh, it's the terrible twos. They're just uh, the tantrums and all that Describe yourself for me when you were when you were little when you could remember what you were like. Were you
2: what kind of kid were you? Chaotic, horrible. Like I'm sure I was good at some points, but like most of the time, all I remember is hearing stories of me like just being bouncing off the walls or just just going crazy.
0: Was the behavior um, confined to just your home, or did you uh, were you all over the place at school and? In, and with your friends when you were playing
2: everywhere it was everywhere i was everywhere crazy yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah it must have made it tough for you and your friends tanya he's a handful right i mean you know everybody does the same thing when they have a kid who's hyperactive or uh or throws uh, has a short fuse did dominic did you have a short fuse did you get angry real quickly yeah, yeah very yeah. quickly real quickly were you bad at sharing your toys
1: Mm, not really. I don't think oh, so. Really?
0: Oh, so there's no way of knowing what would set you off, right? You just would go off. Yeah. Yeah. When they were treating you for a hyperactive uh disorder, what was it Ritalin? What were they what were they treating him with?
1: Ritalin and Vivance.
0: Yeah. I was yeah. on the Adderall when I was a kid for the oh, Adderall oh, yeah. as well, yes. How old were you when they started medicating you with uh, things like that? Eight. Yeah. Do you remember how you felt as a seven or eight year old taking that stuff?
2: I didn't like it. Why? Um, no. On one of them, I was like losing weight really, really badly. Like it was like unhealthy amount of weight that I was losing. Is that typical,
1: Tonya, that that can happen? Yeah. Which one was that? The Adderall? Adderall. Yeah. The doctor had said, like, we had to go in every month, specifically, not only to get new medication for him, a new prescription, but also he was small to begin with. So they were very, they said from the get go that they were concerned about weight loss. And it was like three months consecutively, he had lost a decent amount of weight. And they finally said, you know, he can't be on this medication anymore. And the doctor told me this. So I did it on doctor's orders. Mm -hmm. But he literally had a milkshake with protein powder in every night before he went to bed.
0: Just to keep from losing weight.
1: And he still lost weight.
0: That must be, you know. That's got to be terrifying because the last thing in the world you want to do, your kids shouldn't be losing weight. They're supposed to be getting bigger and, and chubbier. How did Adderall, for instance, make you feel, Dominic? Did it dull you or were you in a fog or what was it like?
2: It helped. Like it honestly helped, but like it was just like the weight loss part that was like. side side effects were, yeah. So yeah. It, it
0: calmed you. It calmed you down. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You were able to
0: have a, a normal relationship. You were able to sit in class, pay attention. Mm-hmm. You're wasting away, right?
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, before they got a handle on your diagnosis, Dominic, did you just think people were picking on you? They, you know, leave me alone. I'm okay. What? They, they weren't treating you like you were sick. They were treating you like you were bad, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. like my teachers would be like, you need to calm down in class. And I'm like, I, like, I thought I was like being normal. Like I didn't think I was like being a disruption or anything. Like in my mind, like it was perfectly normal for me to be like bonkers in class or at home or anything.
0: Right. You were just, you were just an exuberant kid. Right. As far Mm -hmm. as as you were concerned. And everybody was acting like there's something wrong. Not that there was something wrong with you, but that you were annoying. Let's face it. That's what it's really about. You were just, upsetting the room right yeah the the teacher couldn't get the job done because there's there's Dominic
2: in the back jumping up how bad was it I mean would you like not sit in your seat or I was. (laughs) I'd just be walking around the classroom like constantly like breaking my pencil so I could go sharpen it like I just had to constantly be moving
1: so the one teacher he had was actually really good for him and I kind of wish he'd be able to have her all through school She had him on like an exercise ball as a chair so he could bounce up and down. Ah. But she also put bungee cords around the front of the desk so he could put his feet on them and bounce them up and down.
0: Just to burn off some of the nervous energy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fidgeting around is something you see a lot of kids do. Um, And most, you know, in the bad old days, you would be told, stop that. Put that down. Stop that which got it, it's got to lead to great frustration, right? If you couldn't move around like that, it would be awful, right? Yeah. It would be awful. Tonya, what was it? How many times were you called into the school and said, we, we got to do something here? (laughs) A lot. Yeah. 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 Did you ever have the occasion to tell the uh, counselor or the teacher? Well, you know what? I got problems. I think my son's got the same kind of problems. Did you have the conversations like that with the educational establishment?
1: I did. And I, I got a lot of opposition back from them because it, it then yeah. they would have to take steps to, um, I don't want to say correct things, but like more would have to be put out. So he would have um, yeah. an acceptable environment to learn. And unfortunately, where we were at at the time, they didn't want to do that.
0: Yeah. Even 10 years ago, which is around the time you're talking about. Yeah, um, schools were not very proactive in kind of accommodating these children with these disorders. Their goal, they felt, was the other twenty people in the class, not the one that's the problem. Right. Um, you know, as well as anybody, that the only advocate for your kid is you. Right. You know, and no matter how helpful they say they want to be, if you're, it's the squeaky wheel, right. Dominic, let me ask you some, let me ask you some questions. You're now, would we say you were 16 years old, right? Yes, sir. So you've been managing uh, the ODD uh, and the bipolar for a bunch of years now. How has it improved uh, your friendships, your schoolwork? Uh, Do you look back on those days
2: and wonder how you survived? I'm still wondering how I'm surviving sometimes, but yeah, like over the years, like, having like good friends and like opening up to my mom or my dad about like what's keeping me like from like what's holding me back or anything like that like doing stuff like that helped a lot like like i would talk to my mom more about it because like she has the same diagnosis as me with bipolar right, right. so like, that helped strange bonding uh Strange
0: bonding. A young person like yourself, it it must be very frustrating uh, Mm -hmm. to have what you, you even you must have known was a problem, and not be able to explain it, uh, much less, you know, manage it. Were your friends aware? How I should say, how how early were your friends aware that
2: you you were taking, for instance, taking medicine? Are they aware now? Um, probably only two of them are aware you suspect yeah.
0: that there are more of your friends or uh, people in your school that are on the same kind of medication you are and you don't know about it either
2: I wouldn't be surprised people don't talk about it the kids don't talk about it do they uh, dominic mm, not really some it just depends on like if like some people like think it's wrong for them to like or, like embarrassing yep yep like, they think that it's like just an issue when it's really not an issue it's just something that you have to live with and like yeah yeah, yeah. are you
0: are you still um, I don't know I mean I'm not suggesting that you should go to a school assembly and stand up and say hi I've got bipolar disorder <laughs> but but are you uh does it sometimes still bother you uh, that you have been diagnosed with something like that yeah like, I mean in terms of it in terms of being open about it
2: yeah, like I wouldn't like go around and like just openly like tell everyone. Like, if someone asks me, like, "Hey, like, do you have any mental disorders or like have you been diagnosed with any?" Like, I would obviously like be welcome to like answer their questions or like You, tell you them would, that.
0: you yeah, would, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Tanya, uh, well, I, I I bring it up because I think one of the reasons we have something like Children's Mental Health Week or may is you know mental health awareness month is so that more people like you guys um can do stuff like this come on a, a podcast and talk about it uh but you know just widen the circle of people who understand what this is about
1: mm-hmm. uh do
0: you feel do you feel um Tony, that that that's something that you've been more and more willing to do as the years Uh-oh. go by
1: definitely as years have gone by um i'm not really afraid or ashamed to tell people um and honestly a lot of it too for people who have a diagnosis and don't talk about it i really think a lot of it comes down to like a little a little bit at least of shame because you know everybody wants to put out like their best persona and as soon as someone hears that you have a mental health diagnosis, many times automatically you're judged by that. Mm-hmm. You know, so part of the reason why I don't have a problem speaking out about it, especially now, one, I have it as best under control as I can. Yeah. Um, but two, I know where I used to be. And from where I used to be to where I am today is miles and miles between
2: astronomical.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't before, before I was on medication, I couldn't hold down a job. I'd have a job for a couple months and that was it because I'd be like, Oh, I have money. I think you do what I want now. And right, I don't right. need my job, you know? Right, so, right. but I mean, I've been with retreat now since June of 2015 and mm-hmm. So
0: and uh, listen, I've worked with Tanya on a couple of projects over the years that I've been uh, partnered up with uh, retreat and just, you know, as a as a uh, an endorsement, she's uh, as competent as anybody I've ever met, um, you know, uh, and worked with you two are great. I mean, you two are great. I mean, the idea that you're sitting there and you both, you know, you know both look healthy, you're both are smiling. Uh, and you're managing this uh, this very serious problem, or can be a very serious problem, of a mental health disorder, and willing to talk about it is really uh, encouraging. It really is. Congratulations to both of you. Continued success. And I know you know this, but it's worth reminding other people. At the end of the day, we all get up and we're all struggling to get through that day. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you've never been diagnosed with a problem in your life. It's only a matter of degree that separates us from somebody with bipolar disorder. Every day <laughs> you got to get to the end of the day and hope the wheels don't fall off. Uh, for people with with mental health disorders it's it's more difficult there's no doubt. Uh but we're all in this together. So we help we thank you so much for your your uh you know personal testimony here. It's uh, encouraging that people are open about this. We appreciate it. Tanya Rule and uh, her son Dominic Rule, thanks for joining us on the behavioral corner. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure, guys. Uh, and uh, for, for those of you um, with us, don't forget, push the subscription button. Follow us on Facebook and wherever you get your podcast, I'm there. Okay. See you next time on The Corner. Bye-bye. Millions of Americans are negatively affected daily by their mental health. Retreat has served the community for over 10 years, offering comprehensive mental health programming through our mental health division. Synergy Health Programs. To learn more about Synergy, please reach out today at 855-802-6600. That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Own the Behavioral Corner.